recorded on Monday, November 19th, 2013, in St. Louis, Missouri. This Agile Life, episode 25. Four estimates and a Gantt chart to go. Welcome to This Agile Life, a podcast about what it's like to be agile in the real world. Hello, everyone. I'm the host of This Agile Life, John Sextro, and joining me today are my two co-hosts, Mr. Amos King. Hey, John. How's it going today? Good, Amos. I, I was doing really good until I got here and saw Tyson's face in the phone call. Well, you're not even <laughs> you're not even really Tyson. looking at the phone call because you're too busy playing stupid Candy Crush saga. I'm playing Candy Crush because my daughter downloaded it. This is not cool. Um, I don't I don't normally play games, and I'll be my ADD will take over in about a day and I'll never play it again. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the upside is that King, the maker of Candy Crush Saga, they, they are agile. That is pretty awesome. And my last name's King, so they're even better. Okay. Hey, Amos, Amos, it's Jason. I'm sorry. I'm going to be the voice of reason here because I have, a, I have a special pill that will solve all your problems with Candy Crush. It is Gartner's newest discipline they've talked about. Enterprise uh, enterprise Attention Management, EAM, coming soon to a Agile team near you. So my other <laughs> have some people that we used to work with that really use some of that. Yeah, you, well, actually, if, if you want to, I don't know if that's going to make the discussion cue tonight, but, you know, all can decide, information is around us everywhere. And if you do run a business, how you manage that is interesting. Um, and not to sidetrack where we are, but, you know, something that, Avis yourself and John and I mean we were all at one point working together in an environment where we were not allowed to have distractions. You know, remember we had to put our cell phones in a lockbox and all that stuff. Interesting. Yeah, it was horrible. Well, was it? I didn't really use my phone much anyway. So I guess the only way I'm going with that is saying that in today's day and age where we have Gartner saying that we need to have an enterprise attention management practice. Because people find it hard to focus on what they're trying to do successfully, it's somewhat refreshing to say, you know what? There are environments out there where people value face to face communication. Wait, wait. Why is the why is the enterprise so much like the government? And they got to regulate every damn thing until we can't do anything on our own without somebody telling us that we can wipe our own ass. Well, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Because at the end of the day, well, and then okay, and if you really want to get up, did you guys know about Pomodoro? I, I love Pomodoro, but okay. I wouldn't ever tell anybody that they have to do it. Okay, but it's a, it's a different way to manage your time. So I think in today's you know society and in today's technology space where there are so many capabilities out there, you got mobility that has everything everywhere. Sometimes you need to take a step back and just breathe and say, hey, what am I doing right now? Am I being successful at what I'm doing? Am I focused enough? Have I put together enough of a plan that I know what I need to do? And then really use that to guide what you're doing. No, I, I haven't because I'm playing Candy Crush. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Stop. Or guess what? Give yourself, get your tomato timer right. out, set it to 25 minutes, give yourself 25 minutes, take a break, and let's, let's move on. All right. I'm getting out my, my paper, which means I'm ready to go. I, I, haven't <laughs> even, I haven't even introduced Tyson. You guys are already arguing. Ah. So, so what I don't We're not is, arguing. We're not arguing. I like Tyson. We had an opportunity to have a physical confrontation at the last episode, and we didn't do that. Mainly because you weren't there, John. I think you would have brought it up. You guys so found it all, out. So now we're all separated by space, and oh well, we'll just have to fight virtually. 
usually whenever I see Amos, I get a big hug. So because I love people, yeah, you guys are all awesome. Okay, let me take a brief moment to introduce the second co-host for the show tonight, Mr. Jason Tice. You, you Thank you, John. <laughs> I've already made my presence known, so I think we could go on. Yes, you did make your presence known. Let me just tell you that uh, you guys did a nice job recording the last episode, but you guys are some talking over one another people. We like that. And on top of that, <laughs> yes. when you're in the same room and you don't have this beautiful thing called Skype, of which, for, for those of you that don't know, and we value feedback from our customers, we are attempting to use Skype tonight since John, our scientist, has told us that it has superior audio quality to Google or Google Hangouts. So if you think so, let us know. Uh, if you don't think so, um, you can let us know that because I will share, for those of you that don't know what goes up behind the curtains here at the Sagittarius Life, it took us 25 minutes of Amos complaining and having to restart Skype over and over and over again and apply updates so we could actually bring this to you this evening. So. There's room for improvement there, Amos. Learn how to properly... Also that we can have video and see each other that our listeners aren't going to get at all. <laughs> so That's true. That's, is that a feature toggle from our last episode where we just turned <clears throat> that off? We can turn yeah, off I, I think it has, has a lot to do with uh, planning. Like when you plan a blog for two years to come out and then you finally come out with it, maybe we should have planned and picked our minimal marketable feature, which would be sound. Whoa. Really? The so, gloves are off. The gloves are off early. <laughs> so, so, John, you're 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 the moderator tonight. So, what can we um? My what are we going to talk horrible. about? <laughs> Allow me to moderate. Then we are going to speak a little bit about planning and how much planning is enough. Planning is planning agile. What amount of planning is agile? What kind of planning is agile? And any other reason and way that I can get Amos and Jason to fight and argue with each other. <laughs> So let's just kick it off. So unfortunately, I think you're going to find out that Tyson and I agree a lot on a lot of this stuff. Good. Well, that's that's a positive thing when I, I can play devil's advocate as the moderator. But let's start off with uh, you've already kind of picked the scab there, Amos. Well, so I have <laughs> two. I have two that have occurred within the last 24 hours that we can go to town on. So, Amos, do we want to talk about Jim Highsmith or do we want to talk about my blog? Well. I always want to talk about you guys, so I think that's where we should start. Okay. So the story <laughs> of the blog is I finally, um, about let uh, just one hour ago, I finally turned on a blog. And this is something I've been saying I want to do for a while. I've talked about on the podcast. If you guys have listened to the podcast, it's like, Jason, where can we find you online? John says it every time. And I'm like, nowhere, because I have a problem there. So I finally have a blog up. For which I can't with the con I've been talking about it for years. Finally said I would do it. Can't with the concept actually back in August at the Agile Alliance conference for in terms of a creative concept. And been kind of working on it just a little bit. Maybe I could have used Pomodoro, maybe I could have used a little bit more planning, but I finally got it done. It took me from August all the way till November to get it done. But hey, it's there. I got a post up, I got a whole backlog of content coming. It's gonna be awesome. And I think it's great. Amos does not agree, though. So what is your beef, Amos? No, I, I don't have a problem with it, except for the fact that it took you two years. Like, I, I, I can't argue. Your blog looks way better than mine. Mine blog is ugly. But my minimal market. My blog feature, is out-of-the-box WordPress. <laughs> well, it still looks better than mine. <laughs> my, it's because my, it has words like enterprise in it. 
my minimal fe- my my minimal feature set was I want to be able to write on it write it when I'm offline. I want to be able to use Markdown, and I want it to be out on the web. And that was it. And then later I added, oh, people might want my email address and stuff, and be able to get to old things. So my blog is very minimal. It's kind of ugly. It's black and white, uh, and there's there's not a lot to it. Amos, it, but oh. it took me like ten minutes from from the time I decided what I was doing to where I had the blog out. So you had a blog. Now let's 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 talk about some tech details. It is a what's it? I mean, is it your own app? Is it WordPress? What, what's it? Uh, there's a there's a program called Jekyll, uh, which generates a it's a static site generator. And I said uh, a bunch of times. Thanks, Craig, for getting me into that last week. We uh, I write Markdown in a text editor. I check it in on GitHub, and then it appears. And I actually use GitHub to host, so I, I have no host cost. Or anything like that. I set a C name file in GitHub and point my uh, domain name at GitHub, and then I'm done. Okay, so it's the Git strategy. So, see, to me, I took a different approach, and I stepped back and I thought about, uh, you know, what do I really want to do with the blog? Who's my audience? What's my messaging strategy? Is there a spin? Uh, what's the name of the blog? Then I said, okay, fine, I got that done. Then I kind of poked around and I looked at some of the platforms that were available. Not actually I looked at the GitHub platform, but then I kind of said I wanted to do more of a kind of a you know writer centric approach. Wait, Tice, can we can we say what your blog address is? Mine's dirtyinformation.com and then you give yours no, right now so that while we're looking at no no while we're looking at this, people can bring them up side by side and and they can see what we're discussing. Well they can compare the quality. So my blog just launched is theactualfactor.com. So yes it is Bill O'Reilly themed O'Reilly Factor, talking points and commentary, or thought-provoking commentary, talking about Agile and Lean, which is kind of the concept. To say if you um, if you don't know the history of the O'Reilly Factor on the Fox News Channel, I'm going to ask you to put your politics aside and simply look at the broadcast concept because it's been the number one rated program in cable news and it's in its time block and also in its genre for over a decade. And it's all about taking very complex issues, kind of like Agile and helping break them down and people understand them better so they can make their own decisions. And something that I've encountered, especially as I've learned more about, you know, really the the technical elements of of agile processes, how to scale agile processes, how to align agile processes and teams across an enterprise, there's a lot of misunderstandings and there's a lot of learning that needs to occur. So that's where I'm hoping to go with the block. So so you did most of your learning in a year without actually having any uh, real world experience, no, nothing out in the field. You were just gathering information. No, I mean, I, I've gathered information <laughs> from coaching to the point that again, you could say, you know, when do you start? Like I have a content backlog of topics that I'll share has at least 40 different topics in it that I want to write about and focus on that have, that are relevant from, I'll say activities I have done within the last three months. So J- Jason. But the fact is that's a backlog. So I have a backlog that's been sitting around there. It's getting longer because, you know, I'm adding to it probably at a faster rate than I'm actually pulling from it. And so is that so, good or bad? So, so what's the responsible max size of a backlog? Like when does it become unmanageable? Um, I don't know. We we have very different uh, reasons for why we took the longer approach or the shorter approach. 
I just wanted something out there and I didn't care. And I thought, I'll just change it as I go. Uh, and then now, and then I got to the point that after it got out there, I said, you know what? This is good enough for me. I don't really care. This well, is, so this me, is perfect, right? Because this so is two approaches. Yeah. But I want to challenge my friend Amos here with the, right off the back, a classical enterprise architecture dilemma. So Amos, you go out there and okay, you did yours a little differently. So I'm going to, for the purpose of discussion, I'm going to change what you did. Let's say you went to Blogger. You get a Blogger psycho and, and you like it. It's run by Google. You're locked into Google's API. Google manages your data. Google puts their ads on your site. You can't really customize it. You know, your options are limited. But you get your blog going. You say, finally, you know what? I want to cut the cord. I want to get out of Blogger and I want to get to some other platform that's open. And then you look and you say, you know what? I can't easily do that because the data that I've created is locked down in that platform. There's a problem with that argument, Jason, because a lot of those things that you said are not true. Your data is not locked down because I use Blogger for my site. Google does not force ads onto your page. And there's there's no problem migrating it to another another site. How about Slogger? You're using Slogger, this fake blogging tool. (laughs) It's very proprietary. And you can't get your stuff out of it, and you're looking. We out know they're out there, guys. So yes, I'm just, that, that's what I, I'm and saying. So what I'm saying is, Amos, you were just go, 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 or you know, John, you're gonna go put it on Blogger, go, 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 and Jason's gonna say stop before I go, go, go. I'm gonna do a little bit of force, a little bit of planning. I'm gonna think about what and makes sense. Two years, a little bit. That's a lot of planning. Well, I think what we need to do is we need to take this from the strategic planning phase to what I'm going to call the actionable planning phase. So, oh lord, got a video palm in the face from you got face palmed. <laughs> video I'm, face palm. Well, I'm doing <laughs> or was my that a high five? I'm doing my <laughs> rally thing. I got to give you the pen. You know, if you ever watched her, he does the pen thing. He's good. So, yes. Bob Dole? No, I'm Bill O'Reilly. So, don't you think, Jason? <laughs> Jason, don't you think that I understand what you you talked about? You research tools, you research technologies, you thought about the approaches, about what you want your voice to be. Now you have a backlog of 20 or more topics that you can discuss. Could you not have rolled out one topic in a very plain, simple, no-nonsense format, not worried about... uh, a domain name, not worried about a platform and got something started. Maybe pick well, something that, that would allow you to transform to another platform if you wanted easily. So the, pro- so the problem with that is that I'll throw it out there is if you think about it and you look at the business landscape, especially where blogging's going, you know, if you drop a concept and you like it and it kind of catches on, there are certain things that you have to do first if you want to ensure you brand integrity. So, Hey, you, you know, I, a blog called The Agile Factor and throw it on Blogger, someone else then sees that, they go steal the domain, they steal the Twitter handle, they steal all that stuff, and then it impacts my business, it impacts my, really my business success criteria, because I can't have the integrated brand experience by having, you know, a Twitter handle that's tied to a domain that's tied to a blog concept. So if you don't think ahead, you can't seize those strategic opportunities. You can't, you can, as soon as you know the name that you want, you want theagilefactor.com, you recognize, I want this name. I'm going to name my blog that. Then you immediately go ahead and you secure the Twitter handle. You secure the URL. You 
do but whatever. Gotta, there, yeah, there's but a, see, okay, but okay, no kidding, Judd. There, okay, so, there's a big difference between strategy, planning, and execution. And I think the big problem is most people get strategy and planning mixed up. Planning is where the details come in. Your strategy is to find a name that, that you like, that has a concept that you like, and you can apply it. You can go get Twitter handles and everything else. So you get all of that stuff. Then planning is how you're going to do those things. But you don't need to get into nitty gritty details on the strategy. So from the strategy to the planning, the first planning, what was your minimal marketable feature? How could you have gotten something out the door quicker than two years? And would it have been worth it? So I think for my own sanity, we need to, I need to coach my friend Amos to be a little bit more realistic for the time frame here. Okay? The actual time frame that I'm going to call actionable is from August of 2013 to November of 2013. Okay? So that's really August, September. That's really four months. Okay? Before August, that was just kicking around. And to be fair, I think what it, from a, really from a motivational perspective, I had to do some soul searching to say, you know what, what's in it for me? Why do I want to have a blog that's branded independently versus, you know, just contributing to a blog elsewhere? So, you know, I had a, it took me two years to do that. So I think that comes down to really saying, if you look at your life, you know, or even your career, how many things are you trying to do to where you could be successful? And are you, try, are you, are you truly trying to do too much? Um, I'll answer the question. I think at one point I was, you know, I was all over the place doing stuff. And so I said, you know, I need to, I need to narrow that aperture down a little bit, get a little more focused on what I want to do. And then finally I got to August. And once I did August, yes, I did, you know, kind of kick it around. It wasn't a top priority. I'm sure if I had used the technique like personal Kanban, Pomodoro, pick one, they're all about the same with a little bit more discipline specifically for the blog. I think it would have come out faster. Um, and at that juncture, I think just because of some of the background I have, the way that I like to think about things a little bit up front is just what's going to happen. <laughs> if you were busy, you're just, if you're busy, you're busy. That's fine. If you were, if you weren't ready to, to bring out, to roll your blog out, to roll your ideas out to the community, that's fine. But if you spent that time actually Actively planning, plan. that's a problem. I will share. I don't, I didn't No, I did not sit and have, Day long strat sessions like Amos <laughs> is trying to say I have. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna, okay. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk into I'm gonna the office. Sure. Hey, did you make a bunch of estimates for it though? No, I, no, I okay, did not. Good. I, did you know, not I tried to sell. I tried to sell a customer some estimates the other day. I told him. I said, uh, I've got a whole box full of estimates. I'll sell them to you for ten thousand dollars. And they're like, What are you talking about? And I said, Well, then why are we putting ten people in a room for eight hours and, and estimating? Because it, it's going to be more expensive than ten thousand dollars. <laughs> So how'd that go? Uh, they thought I was nuts. But I am yeah. a little nuts. <laughs> so, so let anyway, me, let, sorry. Let that, me change. That was, uh, sidetrack. Well, so let me change the, the subject a little bit to uh, attempt to, uh, I don't know, redeem myself here. So, because the one thing that I think I can do, and I guess you guys can challenge me if you want to, is I've really, having thought and invested some time into thinking about the blog, the content and its messaging strategy, at least in my opinion, and I'm the customer of the blog right now, it's my blog, I have a pretty good definition of what success is. And so the challenge I see with a lot of teams and even people who are working on personal projects is when they just kind of start doing stuff or they just start developing, they get into an environment where they lose focus on what that success, what that ultimate success criteria is to where they can become demotivated. 
how is how do you how do you see that occurring? What what tell me more about what you think happens? So you're saying that if someone goes in and they immediately start down the path of creating a product, creating a piece of the product that somehow they lose focus on the vision for that product? Well, I think that, and the other thing I think that happens, um, and this actually kind of goes along with where, you know, Amos is talking about the difference between strategy and planning. I think if you're on a project or on a development team and it just starts a project, you know, everyone comes together, there isn't anything out there, and you start with a vision. Now, the problem is once you start developing, you know, if you're a developer, you have a, you know, a hands-on keyboard technical role, you're in the technical details of that product, and it is difficult to remain focused then on, well, what is the vision? How has the vision changed? What are the new features that are you know, being added to the backlog? We can debate how far in advance they should be added. But again, what are those? And most importantly, what is the business value that will be provided to the customers when those features are developed and delivered? And, it's it's, hard and to do will that. the customers care? So my idea is, is I would rather go with something really tiny, spend very little time planning and throw it out there and just see what kind of response I get. Um, our, our blogs are very naive uh, uh, choices to really talk about here. But like, like mine, I threw it out there and nobody has said, oh, your blog's so ugly, I don't even want to read it. Nobody cares. They care about the content of the article and, and whether it the contrast of the text on the background is readable or not. And that's really about it. Yeah, so that's, that's what right. I decided that that's all I care about. And well, I quit right. worrying about I'm, how ugly it is. I'm trying to get us away from the blog topic here because I think it is a very trite example. It's, yes, um, it, it is. Uh, it's too simple. <clears throat> and even if you think about the overtones of complexity theory, which is why you know, it's important to think about, it's important to not lose track of that in the agile mindset. A typical software development project is much more complicated and has a much more complicated feature set than a very simple text-based block. Okay, so, that's true. But what I hear you saying, Jason, is that it's not appropriate for the team to begin development right away and then allow requirements and additional information to be discovered uh, via some sort of you know uh, continuous process of evolving, evolving requirements no, or evolving that's, architecture. That, that's not what I'm saying. Wait, okay. This is like, boy, this is trying to attack me tonight. No, no. It's at me from all directions. I, I want you to be. I want to be clear about something. I'm not trying to attack you. I'm just trying to understand. What I'm saying is that once once you start developing a product or implementing the product and deliver incrementally, incrementally delivering capabilities to the customer. Somebody needs to remain focused on the big picture and provide the awareness of that to everyone who's contributing to the effort. It's hard to do that. That's right. It's not the developers don't have to constantly be looking six months down the road at what the vision is. Their job is to be sharply focused on their sprint or their story or their day or their iteration or the work that they have in front of them at the moment. They should also have an overall vision of the project that's important or the product, right? They should have some sort of uh, idea about what it is that they're creating and what it is that they're developing. But that doesn't mean that they have to spend a great deal of time thinking about the vision and, and um, worrying about how do we get to the vision. I mean, there are other ways that we get there at, at, at specific points in the 
in the process that we're using. Maybe it's sprint planning or release planning where we then take time to think about the vision, think about where we're going. Yeah, and actually, I want to, the thing I want to draw attention to, what I've been coaching on a lot recently is it goes back to what we talked about back in episode 23, where we talked about role overloading, or overloaded yoga positions, whatever we called it. Right. To say that, you know, within the scrub mindset, and also within Agile, there's, this, there's the idea of the product owner, and the product owner's responsibility is to provide that awareness of the business context and to manage the backlog of stories and ensure the team has an understanding of those so that when a story is pulled into development, you know, the, the product owner has advised the team what it really means. And so a challenge with many teams is, well, what if I don't have a product owner? What if I have a product owner that doesn't provide enough support? And that's the key risk then to say that is that role being supported so the team always has a definition of what success is in, within its business context? Amos, you, were, you looked like you were going to jump in with some questions or follow up for Jason on that. I was, but then he rambled so long. I can't remember what I was going to say. One oh. of the things that I, I can, um, I can. Well, Amos, uh, ask me some questions. I'll write a blog post about it since I have a right. platform to do that now. Yes. Um, no, I, I, uh, I, I think my big thing is I want to make sure that, that people don't spend too much time in planning. Uh, I think that they're, Often, especially in companies that are just trying to convert to Agile, um, there is a tendency towards we need to plan a lot because they're, they're stuck in that waterfall method of everything needs to be planned out. Uh, so we need to get away from that. And I, I would like to, to just make sure that they're talking about overall feature sets and not details. I'm sure there are some, some camps that would, would advocate for no planning whatsoever. There's people out there. I'm I'm positive of it that would say valve never plan, just just execute. And then oh, there's so people let, okay, that are okay. that time out, time out, time out. Okay, let me bring, let me attempt to bring some reality back into the discussion. Um, so you're in an enterprise, okay, big company, multiple teams, okay. Well, let's keep it small. You got a few teams, okay, but that that organization has imposed some type of a structure to allow them to execute their business. So, you're, Amos, you're on the team. You're building. You're building a web app. You know it's out there. It's cool, but it has to integrate with services and things that are provided by another team. So, you have to come to the table. And you have to say, you know, when is that? You know, when is that identity management service going to be available that I can consume it? And at that juncture, make a decision about, well, do we build our own or do we wait for the enterprise service? Or how do you go about that if you don't do any planning? No, I didn't say don't do any planning. I think that's crazy, too. Uh, well, okay, well, so so when, anytime what? your product has to interact with someone else's product that you're both building at the same time, so it's not a product that's already out there that you need to interact with. There's there's nothing clearly defined. You you're gonna need to be communicating, and I think that the communication is more important. And if you need more planning for communication, then then I I think that something's broken. Like, I. You need some planning, but it still should be pretty minimal. Like, what, what can we... We don't need to spell every single thing out necessarily in the contract between your web service and my application that's consuming it. Right. So what's the right amount or the correct amount of planning? And I know it differs 
based on who you are and what you're doing and what your situation is. How often are you deploying? But what I was what I was asking that's, that's the that's the only thing that matters. Okay. Well, and I, what and I was saying though, the, I'm not going to get in the weeds here on it. I think it's a I need to challenge John Davis unless you guys know it. I mean, this is a scaled agile discussion and to really talk about how because the example I used is talking about you know an architecturally dependent change or an architectural shared service that would be developed that then can benefit all of the other release trains that are being executed within the scaled agile framework. There is a way to do that, but I'd be interested to get Amos's feedback on it because it does look like a lot of, there is a fair amount of planning and coordination involved. The question is, if you have people that are doing no planning, you have people that are doing tons of planning and basically all they do is plan. There's some happy medium. You mentioned right. it, scaled agile as, as an approach for this in a big enterprise that there needs to be some scaling of agile. But it, it differs, right? It differs by what you're doing. It differs by what you're dependent on, what the other dependencies are onto you. So you need to evaluate that and then come up with what do you need to come up with? I think it's I think ultimately it's a, a short a short term release plan with some longer term vision of where you want to get to with a release plan so that you have some sort of not framework, not uh, some sort of guidelines that you're trying to work towards so that people can have uh, some amount of information about where you're headed. Right. And so at what, what level is what we're trying to figure out? What, how do you recognize the level of where you've gone from just enough planning to too much? Because we've talked about last responsible moment, minimal marketable feature, um, <clears throat> and those things. And I think it is. It's dependent on on what you're doing, your feature, your teams, who you're interacting with. But it comes down to, I've given, I've communicated enough with you that you understand what's going on, and that's about it. And then, like, I don't, you don't, we don't need big giant architectural documents. Whenever you are trying to work with a web service, can we come up with uh, a couple scenarios and look at inputs and outputs? And that's it. You don't need to tell me exactly how I need to build the back end. Well, and the other thing that I guess to be to be to clarify, and, and we did mention scaled agile briefly, but even taking scaled agile out of the out of the discussion, just at a high level, there you guys are talking a lot about the planning to actually facilitate, you know, hands-on keyboard software development. Let's take a step back. And say, what if I'm trying to do planning to run a technical business or an IT shop? So that's called that's called strategy. And this is a this is a software podcast, an agile podcast. So let's keep it focused sharply on software and agile. Okay, so you don't want to talk. You don't want to talk in the IT space. No, I don't. I don't give a rat's ass about that on this podcast. <laughs> wow. Well, although I would say that that is a tendency to being able to write software. I I, I agree with Tice here, John. I think you should sit down and let Tice talk. So, I, I am sitting down. Well, <laughs> I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, how, okay. So you look at your, you look at the IT roadmap. Okay, so where you have to do some level of planning to say, okay, this group is going to work on, you know, the identity management service. Then these groups are going to work on applications that are going to be dependent upon the identity management service. And at that juncture, we talk about no estimates, but okay, well, to manage expectations of my stakeholders in the business, I have to say that that identity management service needs to be available 
within a timeline so that these services can consume them and they can go out to market or these apps can consume it. So as long as you have a Gantt chart, it'll be done right. Well, so it's okay. I know you're laughing, but, and again, that's the world that I live in. So I guess I'm saying, what's the plan there? Cause you know, that's, you have to do that to run an enterprise. Otherwise every system becomes a silo and it becomes non-sustainable. Why does it become a silo? Like, that's the thing that I've seen in all a lot of like big projects with a lots of planning is that they become silos and the big oh. problem comes down to teams communicating with each other. Uh, uh, I've actually got this in, in my picks is Conway's law is that um, your software, the design of your software directly mimics the organization's communication. Yes. No, I, I agree with that. That's a, that's a great... That's a and the, the quality stretch. of the software is very dependent on that. Um, so, I, I, guess I think I think I would... I prefer constant communication with all parties involved over big upfront plan. And Jason, I hear that you're, you're, you're advocating for this planning because there's a dependency that you have, your project has to have this something that the other group is creating. Where I would- yeah, well, and again, if you look across an IT portfolio, you see trends and you see common capabilities and business needs. So at that juncture, if you build a unique application for each duplicated business need, you're investing money in a way that it could be better spent. You could spend so, your money better elsewhere. So you were talking about no estimates and you were pretty excited about that. It seemed like uh, a week ago. And now we're talking about planning to the point that I need to know exactly when that's going to be done. Well, if I have the no estimate thing going on and I can get a few stories in there, how much big planning do I need? I, I would rather have group consuming and group producing this API discussing like daily. They should have standups together. They should be uh, having a, a weekly meeting where they let each other know, hey, here's how things are looking right now. Here's problems that we're running into in order to provide this API, or here's problems that we're running into trying to consume the product that you have so far as it is and let that product grow to the needs of both sets of people instead of trying to predict their needs a month ahead of time. The, the problem is, Amos, if you look at a large enterprise, that doesn't scale well. I mean, so sure, if, you're, if there's two teams working together, it? yeah. I've okay. tried it and I've seen it break down. So and not to say that it can't be done. And again, frameworks like Scale and Agile speak to this. Uh, Scrum of Scrums is a construct that can help with it. But it, if you're in a very large environment, it's hard to do. And at that juncture, I think no estimates is a practice that's great for, you know, again, hands on the keyboard development. But when you're truly trying to forecast how you're going to manage IT investment and IT spending, there's some level, I mean, because you're talking staffing, you're talking, you know, how many people are going to be focused on this? And you have to manage expectations. So I don't think I can, at this time, I can't communicate with that right amount of plainness, but I think we, I'd hope there's agreement that some level of planning needs to be in place to run the business at that, of that magnitude. I, I, I think that we agree that there's some level of planning, no matter the size of the business. One of the things really? from, from, from one person to a thousand people, there is some level of planning, but I'm trying to get to what is the responsible level of planning and when are you wasting your time? So Amos has just become a hypocrite and completely or, invalidated or, this argument no. because all of my planning from my own site, which is my own, it's not even a business, it's a not-for-profit business, I, I is, just, was completely justified. I, I, said, I said, when have you gone past the responsible amount of planning onto 
now I'm wasting my time. And well, that's has, the problem. Well, let me ask you this. Who has the right to define that? Uh, you're, that's what we're trying to find out. It's not who has the right. Because it's not about who has the right. It's about what is right. It's about value, so, value to the customer. What is the right amount is based on um, what, you need, what you need to do to deliver value for the customer. If you so plan, if you have a big organization planning. Hold on a second. Let me, let, oh. let me talk. If, if, you have, if you have a big organization that's planning two parallel projects, right, and one depends on the other, if, if we plan ahead of time, project A is going to arrive at their end state here, and then project B is going to link up to them at that point, and we plan for that, how many times does that work? No, like never. But we planned. We planned that it was going to happen. Why didn't it happen? Instead, because we didn't communicate. If we communicate, if we stay hooked together, if we swarm on stuff, so if project A falls behind, project B can't possibly work without project A. It's in our architectural documentation that says we need this thing. Why not take the people from project B Help them advance Project A to the point at which Project B can keep going. Been communicating. There are so many assumptions in that that Nirvana that you just described. And so again, there are so many assumptions in the planning document that you create. Amos, I want you to get beyond <laughs> the document. I don't care about, about a document. What I'm saying the, is, there's the, there's well, a lot of assumptions in any planning. Right. Put it this way, I think you and I again are saying very much the same thing, but in different language. Is, is it easier go- to overcome four assumptions or five thousand assumptions? The longer you plan, the more assumptions you have. Well, so what I was going to say, and I apologize to John for cutting him off, um, is really I think the planning is a dynamic activity, and what's important is that for there's a sufficient amount of planning. For everyone involved to understand what success is. Okay. And at that juncture, well, that's going to be different. So, okay, hey, I was going to work on, uh, I was going to work on a block. I wanted to sit in, you know, I wanted to sit at home and put my feet up on the couch and think about it for a little bit before I just did it. But that's what I needed to do to be successful because it said I got some goals and Amos, I, I even have a blog strategy. You'd love it. It's a one-page document, but it has defined objectives. It has what I want to do. It even has some metrics that I'm going to try to attempt to measure myself to. Okay? Can, you to share, can you share that with me? Sure, I guess I can share it. I don't if, if you why. don't mind. You don't, Put that you don't on have the blog to. Post. No, it, it, would, it would be interesting. So, and again, it's something there, but it, that's something because it gives me the term some people use, you know, they say we need a North Star. I mean, this is a detailed North Star, but it's some, it's a target to hit. And again, for me, that works. Um, I think it, I think in a team environment, there's the need to have a dialogue to ensure that everyone, customers and team have sufficient information so they can be successful. And in the spirit of Agile, I think there's the need to talk about trust to say that because we should be working in a trusting environment, maybe we could decrease that amount of information that we might think we need. So, you know what, we're going to trust our development team to say, you know what, we haven't seen all the details by now. You figured how you, you know, what makes you think you can get this done in the release, but we're going to trust that you're going to try your best. Um, and the, the same goes on the, on the customer side too. So that's so kind of what, what works better. Constantly communicating expectations back and forth or 
planning a lot ahead of time. See, I think it's different because I see every plan. And again, Amos, I think I need to, we need to get you out of architecture 1.0 and get you in the architecture 2.0 <laughs> where this idea of, you know, architecture is stuff that you throw on the wall, the plan you print it out, you throw it on the wall or on the shelf and no one looks at it. That's not what it should be. I mean, the plan should be dynamic. So, I mean, your plan should be a car, it should be a story map of what you're trying to do where you could break it down. Or it could be, you know, prioritized release train backlogs for the, for the scale agile framework where you could make changes dynamically and you could be responsive to change. But at that juncture, when you're responsive to change, you're also being upfront with managing expectations of both the team and the customer about what changes. I think I'm the- just saying that if you plan too far ahead, you have wasted work as that cha- as those changes come in and you change that plan then anything that you changed about that could could have been waste now sure, possibly sure. there are things that you learned in that planning right but I, I how do, much but, of it is waste but again and, and i think this is where i think maybe it's a, a project that you know if, if jason and amos want to plan to do a project ever i think this discussion about what is strategic planning and then really what is executional planning is something to 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 probe into deeper jason we'll talk after this i think that we should do a small project together. I think I think everybody on this agile life should do a small project together. I want to uh, I want to videotape the execution of the project because I think it's going to be um, a, a, an award winning documentary. Maybe we should do a documentary and put that up. Let well, me, you know, let me miss, say you missed the opportunity to see the wall of architecture. We have a wall of architecture. We'll have to show it to you sometime. So let, let me so say, scary. Amos, I think that. The opinion that Jason is representing tonight is an opinion that I often come into contact with in my travels and my work as a as an agile consultant. I hear I hear a lot from people about if I don't plan, if I don't have a Gantt chart, if I don't have a schedule, if I don't have a series of dates that I can't run my business. And I get that and I understand the need and the desire for executives and C level folks to have uh, have some dates to to shoot for and budgets to plan for, right? We are trying to figure out as a group and representing these different opinions and different ideas and backgrounds how we can find a middle ground that works for everyone so I can still have some just enough planning for the executive to spec out the multi-million dollar budget for the year while also not backing development teams into a corner with you have to hit this date and you have to deliver this scope and on this time and all of those things. Well, ultimately it's all about the bottom dollar and I don't want to stop us from getting a bottom dollar and I want that to maximize that bottom dollar. So if I am spending too much money on time and resources and people, because they're not resources, resources are different. Um, if I'm spending too much of that, that money on, on planning, then I have not maximized my bottom dollar. So where do the points of that graph meet of planning and profit so that I can figure out how to maximize my profit with the least amount of planning? I, I wish I, I want to know. I wish I knew because if I could bottle that up and hand it to you, I would be a millionaire. Well, well, I'm still trying to figure out how I can sell estimates for ten thousand yeah, dollars right. a box. Well, <laughs> and to give credit where credit is due, I would challenge you guys to do a precursory review of the Scale Agile framework by Dean Leffingwell 
it speaks to a lot of what we're talking about here. And especially, John, it, it solves the whole, you know, how to go up and down the continuum problem of, you know, how do you provide dashboard level visibility to high level stakeholders who want to know what's going on, manage both development and architectural dependencies, you know, out to the appropriate groups that do that work, link everything together so you can deliver, you can deliver with less risk. And to, Mo to, most date timelines that I've ever seen in my career have been bullshit anyway. Well, so that's what I'm saying. Some, is, go look at the CEO. scaled agile framework. It's different. Issue. You have a CEO who comes in and says, I want this in two years. And you have a guy below him who goes, holy shit, I know these people. They never make a deadline. So I'm going to tell them we need it in a year and a half. And the guy below him says, I'm going to tell them they need it in eight months. And then the team gets it and they're like, this is freaking impossible. And you've okay. given them this giant design document and not allowed them any leeway. So, so my, my simple statement is again, you know, agile is all about being able to respond to change. And I think what's going on here, let's apply the same mindset to planning. Amos, what you're talking about is traditional project management, you know, good old, I'll bring it up, you know, the PMI guys, we got to love them, but, some of their practices, and there's a lot of people that learn that they're very classical, and it's based upon time boxing and stuff like that. And and call they that, still say that they're agile. Well, that's again, that's call that you have to. Those folks they need the benefits of the of the learning that by talking to coaches like us we can provide. But call that version one. Version two, I think, is really where we're seeing this evolution more at the at the team level, moving into this idea of saying, do we need to do you know point based guess guesstimates to use John's favorite term, you know, maybe we don't. We use cycle time. That's more accurate, okay? But again, that's a different practice. It's an evolution of how we do planning and how we manage, you know, how we manage the project management triangle and how we understand it. And then really where we're going, how we grow this, how we scale this, let's call that planning 3.0. And that's really where, again, there are other concepts out there, but I think the most mature one scaled agile it makes a lot of sense it's a great framework and if you're in a big enterprise where you've got lots of people working together as part of a product line it's a great framework it's not relevant for every environment but guess what there's a lot of reuse if you've got something where it doesn't work so check it out but understand that that's the gamut there's so there's this huge spectrum out there all related to planning and so if you're in an environment i would encourage you to take a step back look around try to figure out who you're working with and to learn how to be able to respectfully interact with them so you can have a discussion that aligns to their expectations. The scaled agile framework is a very interesting thing, Jason. You brought it up a couple of times. We need to have we need to have an episode on the scaled agile framework. And I have I have a co-host in mind that I would like to bring in to help us have that conversation. One of the things that I want to point out with the scaled agile framework is that if you talk to Mr. Leffingwell about the scaled agile framework, I think he's proposed that as kind of a, um, a, a an, an idea. It's a theory. It's a theoretical model for yes, how for how agile can scale. There's there's uh, there's little evidence to this point, and and little hard evidence even further to how much of that works. And they're still feeling some of that out. I mean, I've still... There's little evidence that small team agile is any different than large team, like like enterprise cross giant company agile. There's, there's nothing that says that it's different other than people having such fear that they're unwilling to try it. I haven't seen giant companies who have actually 
gone at it wholeheartedly and tried it. I've been in a couple of companies and a couple of organizations where they they have tried that. They 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 look at the scaled agile framework. They look at the theory behind it and they try and adapt what they think is going to work for them. It's not one of these things where you can plunk down the scaled agile framework and say, "I'm going to run this playbook for the letter and I'll be able to scale agile." It just doesn't work that way, right? So no, because it's too complicated. So I mean. It, Again, it's not, there's not scaled, what is the scaled scrum framework? Ooh, let's go create that yeah. job. There we go. Let's we, get the, we already talked about the how URL. I know, but, it would ne- but the case, it would never work. And so I think that's what's great about the firm because you could, it, it's, number one, it's brand new. So in terms of empirical data to prove if it works or not, um, it's, it's out there. I'm mean, sorry, it's not out there yet because it's new. So I think right. the reason I talk about it a lot is if you're, if you're in a large environment, that's kind of where I'm focused right now. There's a huge learning impact from simply learning about it. And you know what? You'll think about it. You'll say, you know what? I don't agree or I do agree. And from there, you can chart a course to success that's relevant for wherever you are. I agree that what you're saying, Jason, it's something to explore. It's something to look at. It's, good. it's a good model to evaluate and see how it fits into what you're doing and, uh, and to use it to help guide yourself and to guide decisions that you're making for your team and to kind of use some of those theoretical ideas to spur thought, spur thinking outside of the box on your team. Well, and the thing that, I, that I've coached a lot of recently, and it even goes back to what I was saying about, you know, when a team is so focused on development, they may lose track of the business context of, you know, you know what this feature I'm working on right now, what does it really do for the business? I mean, is it going to bring revenue in? Or is it going to improve the user experience? You know, what's the what if? Or, you know, what's the so what? So. What Scale Agile does, you know, and again, this is more for my friend Amos, who, if you learn it, it helps you understand how a way that you can track dependencies and understand the linkages between what you're doing on one team and how it relates to other teams that, you know, may be working on things that are related to the overall feature set that you're contributing to. And it's, it's, it's well thought out. It's, it's, it's well put together. Amos, how would you wrap this up? What, the whole episode? Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I don't have a clue. Uh, <laughs> I, I really, uh, I, I think most of our episodes come down to better communication. And I think that if you need, um, a lot of planning to do that, I, I feel sorry for you. Um, but it, it doesn't matter how much planning you do. It's all going to come down to whether you have teams that communicate with each other, uh, internally and externally. But if you have an organization that has multiple teams and those teams aren't communicating, you're going to have problems. If the guy, there's a one guy up above who's handing out design documents or, or lots of plans and he's the only guy that sees that overview and, and is the only guy that's communicating between teams, you're going to have the same problems. So let's just concentrate on our communication skills. I think it was a military general that pointed out at one point that plans are useless, but planning is invaluable. And I think what they what that general meant by that is the act of collaborating, communicating, thinking about the problem is very, very valuable to to you and to your project. But once you hit that battlefield, man, that plan is completely out the window. But having thought through how you got to that plan or how you thought about that plan is very important to making tactical decisions and having knowledge 
from which you can make those decisions and having connections to people that you can collaborate with as you're as you're on that battlefield working together. Jason, yeah, I'll give you the last word on the on the subject. Oh, I got to pull around. I was going to say that you know, John, that's the idea of you know from Agile. Why you know back in you know the I don't know Agile one hundred and one. Remember we had the story types. You could have a store. You could have an enhancement. Uh, and you could always have the spike. So you know maybe a spike is a way to kind of play around and learn something that makes you more able to react to change. The simple way the I, uh, the simple way I would sum this all up is a couple couple episodes ago. I remember I put a plug out for. Uh, you're going to Pello's book, Management 3.0. Subsequent to that, I got asked to facilitate a book club in my, in my company about Management 3.0. And one of the things that Jurgen talks about in the book that he makes a strong emphasis on is one of the best ways to help motivate employees and energize people is through the power of intrinsic motivation. So to capitalize on intrinsic motivation, which of course is being motivated through, motivated through you know, non-material things, but the way to capitalize that on is everyone needs a definition for success. Everyone needs a target that they can track towards. They need a North Star they can look to so they can see where they're going. And so I would encourage, if you're out there, do whatever amount of planning is required for you to know what that successful journey looks like. Well, folks, you heard it here. That's, <laughs> that, that, is, uh, that is our take on planning this evening. Thank Ship you, guys. It. Yeah, <laughs> ship it. <laughs> For those that are do not know, there was absolutely zero planning done to put together this podcast episode. So you can give us some feedback on that. Oh, some wh- episodes we've had more planning put into the structure. So wait a second, Jason. I think that's a, I think that's a miscarriage of the truth. Because we had a lot of communication about this episode, and remember, yeah, like, I said, I, and I said Jason, night, words are hard. <laughs> you did say that, Amos, but Jason. You have been teasing the Agile 2013, the state of Agile 2013 survey. Yes, yeah, so I had that, a- that was. So there was a bunch of upfront planning to go into. That's what we were going to talk about tonight. And then all of that upfront planning we had to throw away because version one can't get a freaking link right. We Sorry. don't know what that is. So. <laughs> and for our friends at version one, that's where I received an email on November 7th that contained a link to the 2012 State of Agile survey that we were excited to talk about and we realized it wasn't updated. So we, we look forward to talking about that when it comes out. Um, and I, you know, to really talk about our friends, the Scrum community, I tried to get my co-host to think about talking about the State of Scrum survey that came out in July of 2013. That's 42 pages long. But unfortunately, Amos said that would require too much planning and reading to get ready. <laughs> He said reading. Yes, he did say reading. Well, reading, because he wants, Amos doesn't like to read big documents. So, oh, no, I you love know, to read what? big documents like War and Peace and Ender's Game, but. Ooh, Ender's <laughs> Game. Have you seen the movie? Into empirical yeah, data about methodology. Not bad. To the credit of the Scrum guys, they actually put together a nice survey. It's got some interesting data. Some of it aligns to the Agile survey, some of it doesn't. Okay. I do have it pulled up. Um, I do appreciate version one's uh, survey results being a nice, beautiful infographics instead of huge type document. But I, I plan on reading it. It's just that at, at eight o'clock the night before till this till tonight when we're recording is not enough time for me to read 42. Amos, Amos we, we already reviewed that survey on the podcast. No, no, we did not do state of We did do state of scrum, not uh-uh. state of scrum, not state of scrum. 2013, the agile. The Agile Survey, the seventh, the seventh annual. 
Agile survey we already reviewed. So version one just announced the winners for those who contributed to the eighth survey. I didn't, John, did you right. win? I didn't win. Sorry. I, didn't, I never got asked. I contributed to the seventh annual. Oh. I don't know why I wasn't asked. That's, oh. that's because they, that's because you didn't select version one as the tool that you use. Quite possibly. From last year. Okay, guys, <laughs> let's do our picks. We're running short on time. I want to point out I've taken a lot of crap from Tice about how governed we are with the number of the number of picks that you can have. So I so Tice, just for you, because I like you, because I love you, I've removed the upper limit on the number of picks that you can have. Why I have like 50. <laughs> we, we completely removed that limit. So if you think you have any supreme governance power, I'm sorry. Uh, we need to talk about Agile Rock Band too, because it really talks about how you build an Agile coaching practice. Um, and it really, with everyone working together, no one being in charge. So, Having removed the governor on the picks, I would like to go to Amos King because he seems to have a truckload of them. <laughs> All right, so uh, my first pick is just from our pre-show talk. Uh, I, I think that people should check out CodeClimate.com if they're doing any Rails. And I, I want to say that they added JavaScript recently, but I, I can't remember. Uh, basically because your code quality sucks. Um, there, there's always room for improvement. And it's just a nice little interface uh, that tells you like A through F. It makes you feel like a, a student. gives you like a 2.4 grade point average or a 4.0. Um, so it's, it's just kind of a neat little metric thing and it points you to some places where you can get improvements. Uh, there's a book called get clients now that, uh, a friend of mine named Evan light loaned me. And it, it was just, it's just a fantastic enlightening book about, um, making a plan actually, uh, to the, that's about 28 days to, uh, get you more leads and more clients. Uh, and then I have see. People are going to complain about how many of these picks there are, and then we're actually going to have to put a limit. How to build great products uh, by, um, I'm going to butcher this name, so I'm just going to not say it. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a, let me try it. Slava Akmehekt. Oh, maybe, maybe that's pretty good. Um, it's a, it's a blog post about uh, three different buckets whenever you are planning. Uh, any features that come in go into three different buckets, distractions, showstoppers, or game changers. It's very interesting. Uh, keep the distractions out of the way. Conway's Law, we already talked about tonight. And we have created an IRC chat room called This Agile Life on the Free Node Network. So um, I'm kind of in and out of there throughout the day. Uh, I know that our, our other co-hosts, Craig Buchek and Jason, John Sextro has been there. We didn't invite Tice, um, so we can keep it nice. Uh, Anyway, if you guys ever want to hang out, ask some questions about Agile, um, we're in there, in and out. So uh, Amos, don't, I spend my don't day in multi-hour architecture meeting. That's a perfect time to not be paying attention. <laughs> okay, and that's it. Very good, Damus. Thank you. Uh, good oh, picks. wait, wait. One more pick. Okay. Uh, my co-host, Jason, because he's fantastic and still has a smile on his face tonight. Yeah. Oh, how nice. All I've done is debate this week. So I'll be real simple. Since I finally got my blog up, I'll plug it www.theagilefactor.com. And uh, I just started. So, like I said, I do have a backlog. I have some writing to do, as well as a a couple other ways we're going to share some information. So, um, 
but hey, we'll put some stuff out there and we'll see what happens. So um, that's it. Very good. Thanks for your pick, Jason. My pick tonight is something called New Relic. I don't think we've ever had it as a pick before, uh, but we've been working on some stuff at work uh, re- related to performance and and scalability and monitoring. And I looked into New Relic, and it looks really good. It's an application performance monitoring tool. Uh, it seems really easy to use. I thought I would just give them a shout out because they have a good looking website. I also heard the about the CEO of I heard the CEO of the company talking on another podcast that I listened to, which um, is what pointed me towards their site to check them out. And uh, I thought I would just give them a, a shout and a pick, since uh, it seemed like a good tool. It is a good tool. I like it. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, it's been a wonderful debate. It's been a heated debate. I appreciate your uh, differing viewpoints and opinions. Thank you for. Joining me on the show tonight, Jason Tice. Where can folks, we already know about we already the, know, Agile Factor. the Agile Factor. com or on Twitter now at The Agile Factor. Great. Thanks, Jason. Was not Tice Thoughts anymore? No, we changed it. Nice. I was surprised that Twitter let me do that. So, um, Oh, well, nice. You, you could people, change your... People can't get to your old tweets, though. Well, no, it changes your whole history. Um, but whatever. I don't have that many out there, so... Therefore, you don't have to plan as much about what your Twitter handle is going to be. Yes, but again, someone can squat on a Twitter handle. We all know that happens. So, Oh, yeah. I've got all four-letter Twitter handles. <laughs> Except for you have also have AD Crown. And I think that's where people can find you on the internet, right, Amos? Yeah, uh, GitHub or, um, or Twitter at adcron, A-D-K-R-O-N. And my blog is dirtyinformation.com. And as always, don't expect it to look pretty. We won't. <laughs> Guys, you can- now I can be found in this Agile Life on uh, Freenode. Yeah, check us out on Freenode, the This Agile Life chat room, IRC we room. We have six reviews on iTunes. That's awesome. At five stars. Well, we- three, three people actually wrote reviews, six people voted five stars. Not everybody has to give us five stars, but it's great when you do that. We really appreciate it. Thank you for the reviews. Please keep them coming. And I'm not above cheating. I'm not above cheating. So uh, if uh, if we can get, let's say, if we can get a hundred reviews by the next episode, I will randomly pick one of the reviewers and and I'll give them a ten dollar gift certificate. I think you should give. <laughs> If we get 100 reviews, I think you should give Jason a big wet kiss. Oh, God. We're going to do oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. That's it for tonight. You can find me on the web at my blog, johnsextro.com. You can follow me on Twitter at jcsextro. Please follow the podcast on Twitter at This Agile Life. And you can check out our website for more information about the show, for the show notes at thisagilelife.com. Thanks for listening and keep living this agile life.